that guy. That one guy. How are y'all today? Doing good? <clears throat> it's a beautiful day to worship God. It's a beautiful day to be here together. I love singing songs together with y'all. It's super fun. I like singing songs with the kids. It's fun to watch their energy. It's amazing um, to be with them. I was uh, just getting ready to introduce someone to you, and he started getting up and walking around, so I was a little nervous there for a second. Carlos Perez is here from Puerto Rico, and uh, from a Vega Baja church, and uh, we're happy to have him with us. He traveled a long ways to be with us, and he's been putting up with me for the last couple days, and uh, it's been a, been a fun time to have him with us. Carlos, do you have anything you want to say to the congregation? been a blast to have him here, and uh, he's actually going to a, a leadership seminar out in, uh, out in Iowa, Ottumwa, Iowa. It, is it in Ottumwa? Is that where the seminar is? Okay. Yeah, we're going out to Ottumwa, Iowa. He studied a lot of years under some old guys that a lot of us know, um, maybe some of us know. Uh, Burton Barber, uh, Don Hunt, uh, uh, let's see, Burton Barber, what's, what's the other ones? Ben Morris, uh, Ronnie Berkowitz. Several of these old guys that, that have gone to heaven already, and they're up there waiting for us um, and cheering us on. And uh, so we've been talking a lot about that and how that uh, Carlos and many of the rest of us are um, taking that ball and, and rolling with it and trying to make the best of what it is God's given us opportunities to do here. And um, so it's been a fun, a fun time having him here. Our message this morning, we're still in the, uh, finishing up our, our interdependence relationships eternal and the title of our message this morning is friends tell friends i want you to turn in your bibles to john chapter one and uh, john chapter one we're, we're going to look at a, uh, a passage of scripture and a, and a story uh, from john chapter one uh, starting right around verse 35 is where we're going to pick up the story but let me give you just a little bit of backstory on that before we before we dive into it before we do that let's look to god word of prayer god thank you so much for allowing us to be together today and allowing us to be a part of, of your work here in Loveland. God, thank you so much for the, the opportunities that you give us or the, for the um, amazing abilities and talents that you give each and every one of us. And God, I pray that as we, we look at this concept of uh, this idea of, of friends telling friends and how relationship is that, that bridge that brings truth to our friends, God, that we will allow that to trickle into our hearts and minds and be able to share it with others and, and really be that, that Jesus with skin on that, uh, that we, we need to be. God bless us as we look at these things. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find in the very first part of your Bible, these are the Gospels. This is where we're going to start. This is where we're going to begin. And... Um, we're going to look at that last gospel in 
in the Gospels, the last book. The book of John is, is one of those letters that you kind of have to look down at the, at the bottom of the letter to see who you got it from. You ever gotten a letter like that in the mail? It's like, oh, this is weird. I wonder who this is from. And you turn over a couple pages and go to the bottom of the letter and find out who it's from before you read the rest of the letter. That's kind of the way we need to look at this, at this passage of Scripture. The first four books in the New Testament are eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life on this earth. We call them the Gospels, the Good News. These were written by the guys that were known as disciples, the ones who followed along with Jesus, the Talmudim. They were, they were his followers in our words. Mark was the exception, of course. He traveled with Peter. Peter's the one who was the good communicator, but evidently Peter didn't want to write it. And so Mark came alongside of him, and, and Mark wrote Peter's account. Uh, Mark wrote what, uh, what, what Peter asked him to write. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are relatively the same type books. So the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, very similar in nature. Uh, you're going to see many of the same types of, of stories, many of the same types of parables. The timelines are all going to line up just about perfectly. Um, these guys traveled around, and about 20 years after Jesus' death on the cross, the churches began to say, you know, you guys are great. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Peter, you guys are great, but you're not going to last forever. We need these teachings. We need these writings to be just that. We need them in print. We need these on, on paper, on parchment, so that we can pass them on. And so that's what they did. About 20 years after Jesus died, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their accounts. So they got their accounts written down. They wrote their perspective. Matthew, Mark, and Luke's accounts are nearly flawless. Once again, much of the same content, much of the same timelines. John, however, is a little bit different. In fact, incredibly different. So much so that many say that, well, this book shouldn't even be in the Bible because it's so, it's so messed up. There's just so, so many differences and so many inconsistencies. In order to understand why there's those differences, we have to look at the man, John, and we also look to, have to look at where he wrote it and when. The Gospel of John was written about 70 years after the death of Jesus. John is the only disciple who did not die a, a, a crazy death. He died of old age. And um, so picture John, probably 80, 90 years old, really old guy. Flowing gray hair, eyes starting to dim, and he sits down to write. The pressure is building. He's the last one. There's only one left. Churches are saying, John, you need to write these things down. You need to capture what it was about the Savior that we need to hear. He fully accepts what his friends have written. He fully accepts what, what Matthew, Mark, and Luke have written. He knows that his friends have done a great job capturing the details. So he writes a little bit different perspective. The parables aren't mentioned. Some of the scenes aren't even the same. They're from a, a completely different perspective. He writes a little bit differently about the miracles. John adds, and he fills in the blanks. He sits down to try to tell us the story of Jesus. Where do you think John would start? He'd probably start the same place you would start. He would start the day it changed his life. 
And that's where John begins. John begins the story. He begins the story with another guy named John. Don't get him mixed up. John the baptizer. John the Baptist was baptizing people. And, and Jesus shows up and gets baptized. And, and the, the heavens open up and the, the spirit descends like a dove. I, I don't know what that looked like. But it didn't happen at my baptism. And it didn't happen at many of the rest of theirs. So they knew that this guy was a little bit special. The writer of the gospel doesn't actually use his name when he talks about himself. He just says, the disciple that Jesus loved. Well, how arrogant of him, right? The disciple that Jesus loves. Talking about himself. Put yourself in John's shoes. I think it was simply after hanging out and after walking with Jesus for three years... That this was the only way that John could describe what it felt like. It was a simply a, a description. I was loved by him. We pick up the story in John chapter 1 and verse 35. John had, had, had been there when, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And now it's the following day. The following day, John was, again, standing there with his, his disciples. We're talking about John the Baptist. Because anytime John the writer refers to himself, he refers to as the one Jesus loved. We're talking about John the Baptist here. The following day, John was standing there with his two disciples. With two of his disciples. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Verse 37, are you with me? John chapter 1, verse 37. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. They must not have followed him right on his tail. They must not have just joined in with the rest of the crowd. Because look what happens next. Verse 38, Jesus looked around and saw them following. And he turns to them and he says, what do you, what do you want? What do you want? And these two young men, John the Apostle, probably young in years, they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. John says, look, there is the Lamb of God. I bet you this captured the hearts of these young Jewish boys. I bet it grabbed a hold of them. Because they had been, for the last 1400 years, 1440, 1450, something like that, been every single day, morning and night, in the temple, there was a Lamb slain. Every year at Passover, these young boys would, would find a lamb and they would take it into their house and into their family. And at Passover, they would slay that lamb because that was the atonement for their sin. They knew that this lamb was special. And when John said that, it captured their hearts. They knew immediately what it was that John was talking about. When John the Baptist said, that is the Lamb of God. It summed up everything that the Jewish religion was about. 
They all knew that their rebellion, their hard hearts, their sin (coughs) caused separation between them and God. They knew it took punishment of this lamb for their lives to be saved. John the Baptist says, that's the guy, the Messiah, the perfect lamb of God. He is going to save us all. I love the picture here. These two teenage boys following along behind Jesus. And Jesus turns and says, what, what, what do you want? And of course, they're caught off guard by it. And they just blurt out the only thing that they can think of. Think of well, well, Rabbi, where are you staying? I love a God who meets us where we are. Who shows up right where we need him. He's not difficult to find. He's easy to locate. He's turning around and asking, what do you want? Why are you here? What are you looking for? He's asking us the same question. Why are you here? Why do you meet with a group of believers? Why is it that you come here on a Sunday morning? I think their response is beautiful. And it should be our response as well. He says, well, what will they say? Well, where are you staying? Where are you going? Because I want to follow we need to come to services with the heart of God teach me something today give me something that I can hold on to whatever it is you want me to learn whatever it is you want me to hear God I'm ready I want to listen and I want to follow John starts his story he knows exactly the day the hour the time it was four o'clock in the afternoon one spring day in Galilee that's when my life changed Then look what happens. Look what happens when one life is changed. John chapter 1, look at verse 40. Look down there in verse 40 with me. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but I will call you Kephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come and follow me. Philip was in from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Peter went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets have wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. This is where it goes. Jesus looks at our friends and says, I can use that knucklehead. That guy's got potential. He grabbed Andrew's attention, but Andrew went and found his brother. His brother, Peter. Look at verse 47. And as they approached Jesus, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. He's talking about Nathanael here, because Philip had gone and and found Nathanael. Nathanael walks up to Jesus, and, and Jesus says about Nathanael, This is a genuine son of Israel. What a compliment. And then he goes on, he says, A man of complete integrity. Would he have your attention if Jesus said that about you? Yeah. Wow. What a compliment. And Nathaniel says, how do you know about me? 
Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Do you believe that just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see all of heaven open up and angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man. The one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Did Jesus really see him under a fig tree? Was he really sitting under a fig tree or was this just metaphorical? Was this just something that he was using as an example? Many times the Jewish, in the Jewish Western, uh, 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 rather Eastern style of, of, of teaching or, or of doing things, the fig tree was a, a tree that produced great shade. It had big leaves and they were able to get up under it and and oftentimes they would use those locations for, for meditation or for, for reading of scripture. So maybe it was just Nathaniel was studying the Bible and Jesus saw him studying and used that metaphor. But maybe he actually was sitting underneath a fig tree. Do you think that he was actually wondering how heaven was going to get down here? And how we were going to get to heaven? Maybe he was reading the Genesis passage where, where it was where it was Jacob having a dream and he saw a ladder up into heaven. We're not told all of those details, but I think Jesus was really playing with this guy. He was really talking about what was going on. Why would Jesus say something about, about a ladder from heaven into to, to the earth if Nathaniel wasn't reading that passage of scripture? I don't know. It may not, it may not be true, but you know what? It's interesting to think about. Nathaniel saw and heard what he needed to see. I call this the day their story started. It was friends telling friends. Andrew found Peter. Philip found Nathaniel. That's how the, the, the group was built. That's how it happened. It's the same thing with us. Where did your story start? When did Jesus come knocking on your door? When did he find your heart and capture it? And then what have you done with it? I believe that our relationships with others, and this is, our, uh, this is where we're going to kind of get into our outline. Uh, the bridge that truth travels over is relationship. If you have people in this world that you call friends, how many of you have people? Raise your hand if you have people in this world you call friends. Guess what? 90% of the job is already over because you have friends. The 10% is what we're going to talk about. People need answers, not arguments. We don't see, we don't see us getting into politics. We don't see us talking about, about what's the best case scenario in business. Because we're not in that business. We're not in the politics. We're in the business of, of God's kingdom. We're in the business of building his work. Philip didn't argue about someone going, going, coming from Nazareth. He didn't argue about that. Nathaniel said, well, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip just doesn't even, doesn't even go there. He completely ignores that statement. And he just says, come and see. 
There's going to be times when friends try to argue with you. There's going to be times when they try to, well, I, I, just don't know if, I just don't know if I can believe in that sort of thing. All we need to say is come and see. Come check it out. Check it out for yourself. It's not about having all the answers. It's about bringing them to see how people are being changed and how they are affected by the kingdom. People need answers, not, not arguments. Let's not argue with them. Philip had some ideas. He said, he said, well, you know what? This is the one that Moses and all the prophets have, have, have talked about. We have found him. We need to look for that opportunity, not run from it. Look for opportunity, and, and we need to run from conflict. Don't get into those arguments. The opportunities are there. Andrew told Peter, and God wanted Peter. You know what's funny about Andrew, though? Every time his name is mentioned, mentioned it's, it's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. You know that one guy that's preaching today? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's Greg's brother. That, that one guy over there that has all those kids out, that's, that's Greg's brother. What would it be like to be always associated with your brother? Andrew was always that way. Every time his name is mentioned, it's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Peter is proof that God can use bonehead brothers. Peter's proof. God can use them. Don't judge just because you have an opinion of that particular person. There's a good chance God can use that person. Whatever, however stubborn or however boneheaded you think that person is, God can use them. Friends tell friends. And we need to only share what we have and let God do the rest. Keep it simple. Some can show the history behind it. Philip showed a little bit of a history. Some can only say, just, just come and see. Your life, your testimony, your story of when God came and knocked on your heart, when Jesus entered into your life, that's your story and it's undeniable. They can't, they can't say, well, well you know, that's, that just didn't happen to you. They can't say that. It did happen to you. And when you tell your story, your testimony is yours and yours alone. You aren't telling someone else's story, you're telling yours. John's doing the same. Four o'clock, one afternoon, mid-spring in Galilee. That's when my life was changed. What's your story? How has God made your life better? How has He transformed your anger problems? How did He help you with your addictions? What made the difference in the way you interact with your spouse? Let me tell you how I was able to let go of that hurt of abuse. Let me tell you how I was let go from that hurt of sexual molestation. Let me tell you about how I was able to move from, from a very bitter divorce situation. Let me tell you about depression and what I found that's getting me through it. John says, you've heard the great story of the boats and the full nets and all that other stuff that those other boys talked about. How my brothers and I saw him feed 5,000 people with one lunchbox. But let me tell you how we all got there. Let me tell you how the story started. Only share what you found. That's how it started. Now let me tell you how it ended. God's plan for our friends, it ended here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Look at it with me. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, 
He took them up on the mountain. He, he gathered them around and he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God had been given, or God had given Jesus all authority. He tells them his plan. His plan is you. That's what he said. He said, my plan is you. Colossians chapter 4, we find it again in verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in change. Pray, pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Verse 5, he challenges the Christians in the church at Colossae. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your con conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. You are the salt of the earth. We read this one last week. But if the salt loses its saltiness, it cannot be made salty again. It's only good for nothing except for be thrown out and walked on. You are the light that gives light to the world. A city on a hill, or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. And people don't hide a light under a bowl. They put it on a lampstand so that that light shines for all people in the house. In the same way, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. God's plan for your friends is you. Sometimes I feel sorry for my friends. Because I'm not always that, that perfect description. I'm not always that life that they can see light in. But God's plan for my friends is me. God's plan for your friends is you. If you've got friends, you are God's plan for them. The church is plan A, and there is no plan B. The church is you. You are his plan. Real friends even share the hard truths. It's not always just, just come and see. Sometimes there's more. Sometimes there's more to it. We have to help others along. He says, teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Those hard conversations that we have with some of our friends. Listen, my friend, it seems like it seems like, my friend, that you're spending a little more time than you should with that young lady. I just don't think she's good for you since you're already married to another. I know. I know, my friend, that your husband's a real bonehead. But I really think that you should get back in there and give it another chance. Yeah, I know. I know you call yourself a Christian. But during the week, it seems, like, it seems like you're just like the rest of the world. What's up with that? In order to bring your friends along, in order to bring them along with us, we're going to have to share some hard truths. So here's the real questions. The disciples were up on the hill, and as Jesus leans in and says to them, All authority has been given to me. Did they get it? 
I think some of them did. And the reason I think some of them did, because they lived out the rest of their life, however much they had left, they lived it out in service of him. They got it. They passed it on. And John wrote it down late in his life. He shared how it began. And he shared how, how Jesus had impacted his life. And how it made a difference throughout the life and throughout the life of the church. So the number one question you need to ask yourself is this. Do I believe in Jesus? Well, of course I do. You know? Because that's just the... That's just the right answer when you're sitting in a church service. But do you really believe in the, the birth, the life, and the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, it's going to be really difficult to share what God did for you. Do you believe in Jesus? And do you really believe what Jesus said? Because do you think that, that, that those words are, are believable? Because if you don't think those words are believable, it's going to be really difficult for you to share those with your friend. Is Jesus really the Son of God? Do you really believe that there's a heaven and a hell? And that when each and every one of us pass from this life, that we're going to go one of those two places? And the last question you need to ask yourself is, do I believe it applies to my friends. If Jesus is real and his words are legit, do they apply to my friends? Are they just for me or do I need to share them with everybody I'm around? John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is that answer that your friends are looking for. But you are that plan. They're not going to find him unless you share the gospel. And don't worry. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9, clear back in the Old Testament. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Is it a challenge? Yeah, it's challenging. There's going to be some friends that aren't very receptive to your story. And there's going to be friends that deny. They can't deny your story, but they may deny his. Because that's their choice. I have a little poem that I want to share to close. It's entitled, My Friend. It's not, I'm not sharing this poem to... To do any sort of drive-by guilty. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about your life and how you're sharing with your friends. But I want to challenge you. So we're going to end with this. My friend, I stand in judgment now. I feel that you are to blame somehow. On earth I walk with you day by day. And never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory. But never did you tell that story. My knowledge then was very dim. And you could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together on earth, you never told me of a second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed 
to mention him. You taught me things that's true. I called you friend and trusted you. But I learn now, and it's too late. You could have kept me from this fate. We walk day by day and talk by night. And yet you showed me not the light. You let me live and live and die. You, you knew I would never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life. And trusted you through joy and strife. And yet, on coming to my end, I cannot now call you my friend. Church, we consider those around us our friends. We call them friends. We talk about them as friends. We converse with them as friends. We talk about their kids. We, we go to the soccer games and we go to the, the events and we spend time with their families and we spend time with them at work and we, we have those friendships. We have a job to do. It's our job to share the love of Christ with them. Friends tell friends. The bridge that truth makes it to them with is our relationship with them. We've got a job to do. I don't know about you, but I'm, I, I am excited because I know that some of my friends that I call friends are still alive today. And they might possibly be alive tomorrow. And there's a possibility that I can share with them a little bit of the love of Jesus Christ. And what Christ has done with, with me. And maybe that will help them with their life as well. Don't waste time. There's, there's people dying all over the place. Accident after accident after accident. People's lives being taken right up underneath us I never had a chance to meet those two teachers that died last week I never had a chance to meet that young man that, that had a, a bunch of kids that go to the schools in person that was, was hit on his bicycle I never had the opportunity to meet those people and I hope that you didn't have that opportunity either if they weren't following Jesus Christ because then we would have regrets. I don't want us to have regrets. I want us to be that friend that when, when our friends make it to judgment, they can say, you know what? You tried. Or you know what? You tried and it worked. And I accepted what Christ did for me and I gave my life to Him. And now I can call you my friend. And now I can celebrate for all eternity because now we're here together in heaven. Don't wait. It's time short. We may not have too many more opportunities to share with some of our friends. Are they going to shove us off once in a while? Yeah, they're going to. I'd rather them shove us off now than make it to Judgment Day and, and hear those words. How come you didn't share that with me? How come you didn't share what you had with me? I'd much rather deal with it now and say, you know what, uh, they're, they're, gonna, they're not going to be my closest friend because, because I want them to 
to serve my God too. It's okay if they're not going to be your closest friend. At some point in their life, they may have that four o'clock in the, in, the, in the spring afternoon in Galilee when Jesus walks by and they say, you know what? Where are you staying tonight? Jesus says, come on, come and follow me. Everybody has a story and it's an undeniable one. All you've got to do is share it. Thank you for your attention this morning. I thank you for being here and uh, spending some time with us. And I, I hope